Come on, let's love him some more. I believe he's worthy of our praise today in this service. Glory to God. You can be seated. Let me say that it certainly is a privilege of ours to be here today in this service and the beautiful service that we had last night. I don't know whenever I have heard such good preaching. If your cup's not running over, there's something wrong somewhere. Hallelujah. A thought hit me the other night. I was going to introduce Brother Treese. And the writer said the foolishness of preaching. Not foolish preaching, but the foolishness of it. If you'll go ahead and do what you know you ought to do, we can get some of this foolishness over with. Come on now. If it goes too long sometimes, just go ahead and do what you ought to do. You're wearing that poor preacher out anyhow. He wants to sit down and go home. But we have heard some great preaching today in this service. Every minister has had the mind of God and just what I needed. And I hope it was just what you needed. I want you to stand, if you will. We want to go right to the Word of God. Brother Martin said, take your time. You've got plenty of time. But I know that uh, you're hearing from another world. Before I walked up here, I heard from another world. And I said, I hope they can't hear that out there. But if you'll give me your undivided attention, then I'll say what I've got to say through the Holy Ghost. And then you can take care of that little voice that's speaking to you. Will you do that today? I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, to the fifth chapter. And I want to begin reading with verse 1. What a wonderful message we just heard. I turned to somebody close by and I said, I believe he's going to preach it before I get up there. But he left me just a little bit to say. Let's look at it today from the Word of God. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being private to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of it of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. 
And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghosts. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which hath buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in, and found her dead, and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. Here's a verse that I want you to notice and take heed to. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest does no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick unto the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also multitudes out of the cities around about unto Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one can we love the lord together right now father we love you this day and we thank you for your presence that we feel in this place we're asking you lord to talk to our hearts today you know just what we need speak to us in this service and we'll love you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name. You may be seated. In the last few months, I have been very concerned about how we're not seeing the revival that we all so desire. And when I speak of revival, I'm talking about everything that goes with revival. I'm talking about signs and wonders, miracles, healings, and commitment. It seemed like 10, 12, 14, 15 years ago, we were seeing revivals that turn our cities upside down. They were such blessing to our churches. I was an evangelist for 14 years 
And I have witnessed so many great moves of God, great revivals. I can remember several, several years ago when Brother Bean was visiting in our home, and he said, Brother Jimmy, he said, I would like for someone to come and preach for me, and we have the revival that I have had in other churches. I certainly believe that we're living in revival times. I believe that we're living in the last days. And I believe that we ought to see a move of God in these last days like we have never seen before. There is a hunger and there is a desire in my heart to see the revival that we have not seen yet. I take every revival that we have seen and I use that as a stepping stone to a greater revival. But yet I feel like that there is something missing in the New Testament church. There is a reason why we are not seeing the move of God's that we have seen in times past. I read to you a portion of scripture that has gotten a hold of my heart in the last few months. Here's a story that all of us have read so many, many times. Brother MacDonald mentioned it in his sermon, the very first sermon that we heard today. Here's a story that a lot of times we do not preach about. We do not talk about. But when I begin to study the fifth chapter of Acts to see what we were missing, I begin to see something here that I had never really realized before. If you want to see a revival like no other revival in the book of Acts, you'll have to go to the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. Things took place here. Things happened here that happened nowhere else in the New Testament. And I began to search out the Word of God. And I said, God, this is the kind of revival that we need in this day and hour. Is this mic on? Is yours on? This is a revival. Now let me show you something. The great outpouring in Acts 2, 120, and we get excited about that. 3,000, and we get excited about that. 5,000, and we get excited about that. But let me show you, two pages later, they had lost something. There was something missing. When a man could lie and stand before the church and not give the truth, there's something wrong here. We need a baptism of the fear of God that will bring Holy Ghost revival like we've never had before. I listen today every message that we heard. What great preaching we've heard. But before we ever see this really happen, there's going to have to be 
that element that is missing in the New Testament church brought back to the church. You can read chapter 4 of the book of Acts beginning with verse 31 and let me read it to you. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. What a move of God. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart. Thank God for that. And of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of these things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and with great grace upon them all. Now let me tell you who was in that service. It sounds like a great move of God, and it was. Ananias and Sapphira were sitting in that service. But there was something missing in that service. We have great power, and we have great grace, but we need great fear to come into the United Pentecostal Church. Nothing is going to bring revival like great fear can bring revival. They had great power and they still didn't have that great revival. They had great grace and still they didn't have the great revival. But when great fear came upon the church, there was Holy Ghost revival like they had not seen since the book of Acts 2. The Bible talks about fear. It's not something that is easy to explain. It's not something that you can give to somebody. I can remember my boy, my oldest son, Darren. When he was about five years old, we had just taken the church in Austin, Texas. A little shack of a house. And I watched that boy. We didn't have much furniture in the front room. And I watched him go over and he would go over and he'd touch the light socket. And I told him, I said, now Darren, stay away from that boy. It's going to hurt you. It's going to burn you. Four or five years old, he'd shake his head and he'd say, it won't hurt me. And because he touched it a few times and it didn't hurt him, he thought he was all right. And it seemed like when he found out he was not supposed to touch it, he enjoyed touching it. I'd come through the house and he'd be over there touching it. And I said, boy, that's going to hurt you. You better back away from that thing. You better leave it alone. And a few times I had to pat him on his hands and tell him to get away from it. I came through a few weeks later. I noticed he was standing over near that socket. And he had a hairpin behind him that I didn't see. And a big old smile on his face, he backed over to that thing. And I thought, just sure as the world, 
he's going to touch it where I can't see him. And that's just what he did. But when he touched it, he put that hairpin into that socket. And when he did, he lit up. And I just happened to be there to push him to the side. And when I pushed him to the side, he said, no, no, daddy. No, no. No, no. And from then on, every time he walked through that room, he had pointed that little socket over there, and he'd say, no, no, daddy. No, no, no. He had learned something that I couldn't teach him, Brother Martin. He had learned fear. God help us some way, somehow, to learn to fear God and to keep his commandments. If we ever see that apostolic revival that we need in these last days, we're going to have to have that great fear. I begin to look at this. How in the world could this happen? Acts 4, a fantastic move of God. When they prayed, the place was shaken. You and I both have that every Sunday night. I said to somebody this week, I said, how come we can have such a powerful service on Sunday night and lose it before Wednesday night? Hello? I don't know why we can't keep Sunday night with us. But when you begin to study the Word of God, they lost it right away. Great power. And I thank God for the great power that we have in our churches. Sunday night we had a fantastic move of God. Sunday morning was heaven on earth, over 60 visitors. Fantastic. But let me tell you something. Great power is not going to bring the revival that we need in this day and hour. Great grace, thank God for the grace of God. None of us would be here today if it was not for great grace. But we need something to go with that. If we're going to have that move of God in Acts 5, we're going to have to have great fear. I don't know how it can be preached to us. I don't know how it can be taught. I don't know how we can learn it. But some way, somehow, we better get a hold of it, church. God is wanting to send revival like we've never seen before. I remember as a boy in high school, my dad was a preacher. Brother Martin told you that. Brother Ira Jones. Pastor the Stonewall Pentecostal Church there in Houston. I'd been raised in the church all of my life. This was all I ever knew. I'd go to school. I'd watch those boys get their lunch money out and go for the line. I'd stand there and I'd watch that. And I saw how easy that was. The fellow that would get the closest to that line he got to just pick up all the money and leave. And I watched that, and I watched that. I'd get home and I'd practice. That's pretty good. I thought, now I can do just as good as they can. I can pitch that thing out there and get close to that line. So one morning, 
I decided I'd join the group. They had never asked me to do it because they knew I was a preacher's son, and I wouldn't do that. But I began to reason that thing out, you know, on the bus. And I thought, really, you know, that's, that's not wrong. It's just the guy that gets the closest to the line. If you know what I mean, go ahead and tie your shoes. So I got there and I decided that I'd join in with them. 50 cents was all I had, that was my lunch money. But I stood there and I watched the other guys throw their money and then I throwed mine. And mine was the closest. They said, you did it, Jones, the first time you did it. Man, it looks like you've been practicing. I didn't tell them I had been. I walked down there to get my money and the bell rang. They said, well, we'll see you. We'll do this again tomorrow. I walked down to pick up my money. One of the boys walked by and said, isn't that your dad over there? I said, who's dad? He said, your dad. And I looked over there and there was that 55 black and white Buick, big as Dallas, parked over there to the side. I looked down at that money and I looked at him. I got my foot and I began to push it all together real close. And I kept looking at my dad. I kept thinking, I wonder how long he's been parked over there. What brought him to school? We lived about 20 miles from school. What in the world is he doing here? What has went wrong? kept feeling around with my foot touching all of that money down there two or three dollars man that was a fortune back then then I started across the highway where dad was I walked over to the window and I said well hello dad my voice was a little weak he said hello son I said what in the world are you doing here he said well I had to go to town and I just thought I'd drive by here I was going this way, and I saw you standing out there, and I thought I'd just stop and say hello. I said, hello. I said, is this it, Dad? He said, yes, sir, this is it. He said, everything going all right? I said, fine. He said, okay. He said, have a good day. I said, all right, and I started toward the school. The bell had already rung. I walked about halfway to the door and I stopped. I turned around and he was still in the car and he waved at me and I waved at him again. The whole time I was thinking about that money over there. And I was also thinking, when did he get there? When did he arrive? What all did he see? That was the most miserable day I ever spent in my life. When I got home from school that day, Brother Spears, I wanted to see my dad just to see if there was anything that he saw that he wanted to talk to me about. He act like nothing had ever happened, but he taught me something about fear. Fear can be there at all times. You need to be real willing 
and ready to fear God at all times. Regardless of situation, get something inside your heart and you hold on to that because fear is something you can't give to somebody else. If we want to see the revival in these last days, we're going to have to have a baptism of fear in the church. The writer tells us in the book of Genesis about Abraham and Sarah going to a certain city. When they arrived there, Abraham told the city that this woman was his sister. The king decided, well, I'll just take her to be my girl. In the middle of the night, God woke that man up. Amalek, I've got something to tell you. Thou art but a dead man. You've got another man's wife. Amalek got up and he went and found Abraham. He said, man, something wrong. God woke me up last night and God told me something. God told me I was a dead man. I wonder if that still applies today if you've got another man's wife. You're a dead man. And Abraham said, well, let me explain something to you. He said, when I came to this city, I said, surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will slay me for my wife's side. They'll take my wife. There's no fear here. You see, we're going to have to have fear in our churches. It's one thing to have the power of God in our services. It's one thing to have the grace of God. But every child of God needs to have that built-in fear. Fear God and keep his commandments. Not because of the preacher. Not because just of the word of God. But because of God and because of who he is. Nothing brought the revival like fear brought the revival. And I believe the revival is going to come from the church. I believe the church is going to take it to the world. I don't believe the world is going to bring it to the church. I don't think they have one thing out there to offer us. That's where we came from. Come on. And if a man puts his hand to the plow and just looks back, he don't have to go back. If you're looking today, you better fear God with all of your soul. You don't even need to look back. You walked away from that. You leave that alone. And you get a hold of God and say, God, I want more of what I've already got. Noah built an ark. You know how come he built that ark? You know what moved on him to build that ark? The writer of the book of Hebrews said, fear moved on this man 
to build an ark. I used to think that he built the ark for God, but God wasn't going to drown. He built that ark for his family. All of us need to move in fear and build an ark for our family and get a hold of something from the heavenly world and say, God, I'm going to fear you and I'm going to keep your commandments. I'm going to get a hold of you. I like what the writer said in Acts 10 and 2. Carnius feared God with all of his household. Come on. That's something that we're going to have to put into our hearts and we're going to have to put into our homes and we're going to have to put into our churches. That fear of God is going to have to be there. We're going to have to put it there. I want you to notice, beginning with verse 11, I want to read it to you. And great fear came upon all the church. And upon as many as heard these things, then notice the revival that broke loose. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest, there's no man drawing himself to them, but the people magnified them. Notice verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. The great power didn't bring that. Great grace didn't bring that. But great fear brought that. There's something about that heavenly anointing that comes. It brings a respect. It brings a reverence. It brings an awe over a congregation. But when they walk out of that service, their mind is not on the things of this world. Sometimes on Sunday night, I hate to dismiss where they can shake hands. I just say, everybody go home. Don't even speak to one another. Just go home. The presence of God is so great in this place. I don't want to lose what we've got in that service. Multitudes were added to the church. Let's go a little farther. Verse 15. Insomuch were the more added to the Lord. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick unto the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passed by might overshadow some of them. What miracles! Out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirit and they were healed every one think about it i have put my hand on them and pushed them back and they went back to their seats sick but if some way somehow when we come to our services and we come with the fear of god that this is it it can happen here 
Everybody's in one mind and one accord, expecting the Almighty God to do something special in that service, and the fear and that reverence is there. It's no walking inside and outside and somebody passing notes and somebody clipping their fingernails and somebody talking to somebody else. But we have come in the fear and the reverence of God. We can have another move of the Holy Ghost. What's missing in Pentecost? I brought a little article. I didn't know if I'd read it or not without calling any names. You'll know who it is. This is a preacher told his congregation that he had trouble sleeping Wednesday morning. Tried to read the Bible, but couldn't. I closed it and whimpered like a hurt little dog. God, if you're there, if you're really there, tell me what to do. He said he then drifted off to sleep in despair. And when he woke, the Holy Spirit was rolling all over him. He said God told him to face his congregation and to preach again. And it was nobody's business. Don't tell me we don't need fear. Every sermon that we heard today, Brother Teresa's sermon, when a man stands behind this sacred desk, he better fear God and what he says. You hear me? Every idle word we'll have to answer for. If he says God said, you better make sure it was God that said that to him. He needs to make sure. I don't believe this story here. I'm sorry. It goes against the teachings of the Word of God. But if we had a baptism of fear, so many of our problems would be taken care of. That when I shook your hand and you shook my hand and I said, I love you, brother, you knew. I meant every word I said, I love you, brother. And when I walked away from you and I'm outside somewhere, I still love you, brother. Come on. We need it in the ministry. We need it in the laity. We need it around this world. We need a baptism of old-fashioned fear that gets a hold of us. I walked into that school and I could still see my dad looking at me. I thought to myself, he'll probably ask me about it in a couple of days. You're talking about a miserable week. I had a miserable week. I wanted just to go to him and say, get it over with, dad. Tell me what you saw. I was sort of like Darren, my son. I want to go ahead and get the shock treatment and get it over with. To this day, I don't know if he saw me or not. But I walked away from two or three dollars. 
And I had a fast day that day. And I needed it. But that fear got a hold of me as a boy. And I thought, Dad can be just anywhere, just any time he can be there. I don't black and white Buick, you couldn't hide it. He'd just drive up. Before then, I had tried something else. He had loaned me that black and white Buick, and he always told us, don't you ever drive it and take it someplace or do anything with it that would reflect on the church or me, son. I heard him. Man, I couldn't stay away from the square dance that was going on. And I drove down there and I parked that thing and I thought, well, I'm just going to go in and just look and just see what they do. I walked in there and they were all jumping up and never come down. Swing your honey round and round. Out of my left with your left hand. Back to your corner with the right and left hand, whatever it is. I didn't know I knew that either. I hadn't been in there, but just a minute, just one minute, dad and mom, some saints in the church going out to eat drove by there. That thing set way off of the road, and dad saw it. He said, mama, look, isn't that our car? He said, Brother Whitaker, turn this thing around. Let's pull in there. And they pulled that car in there. He got out, listened to the music for a few minutes, walked to the door, and there I was standing right by the door. The place was packed, and I just barely got inside. And I looked at him, and I said, Daddy, what are you, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here, boy? And I said good night to all of my partners. And I got out of there. From then on, I thought he's everywhere. He is everywhere, Brother Spears. He is everywhere. It mattered not where I was, Dad was already there. He's just waiting for me to do it. And he's going to be there. If some way, somehow, we can see our Heavenly Father that way. Not that he wants to hurt us, but I believe there has to be that reverence and there has to be that respect and that fear there. Yes, I am a child of the King. He is my Father. He is concerned about me. He is concerned about what I'm doing. And if we're going to have old-fashioned revival, we've got to find out what's missing. I'm bringing it to a close. We had heaven on earth one Sunday night. Austin, Texas. You know how it was, Brother Martin. We had the electric chair there. They put the chair out, and everybody had to sit in it for service. Fire them up for the service. They'd come out of those prayer rooms, whoo, marching red hot. Sometimes they'd already prayed them through in the prayer room, just marched them into the church. 
We had a heaven sent service that night. Surely everybody was blessed. At least I thought everybody was blessed. We went home talking about the service, how many prayed through, how many came to God. There we were in the living room talking about it, and I got a call. A little lady on the other end of the line, and she's just weeping. She said, Brother Jones, could you come? I'm at the police station. I need some help. I began to ask her what was wrong, and she said, well, I'll tell you a little bit, and then I'll tell you the rest of it when you get here. What she told me over the phone, I could not believe. I'd just come from a red-hot, power-packed, grace-filled service. On the way over to the police station, I began to question God. How in the world could this happen? My mind began to think upon that individual that was in trouble. I could see him where he was sitting in that service. I remember him sitting in that electric chair for service. I remember praying for him. I remember him running around that building that night about 50, 60 other men. I remember that. I remember all that he did there in that service that night. I saw it. I watched him. And I thought, how in the world could that man leave a service like that and go do what he did? I wrestled with that until I began to look at this. How in the world could this couple do what they did? Coming from a move of God like they came from. I'll tell you how it comes. Something was missing. In two chapters, in your Bible, my Bible, something was missing. If we ever lose the fear of God, we've lost it all. We've lost it all, church. Heavy anointed preaching we need, but you need to take that word of God in fear. That message means the same 10 years from now as it did the first time you heard it preached. It's still real. Tongues interpretation, I wish we could print it on the wall every time we have a message. I feel like we lose it so quick. But we've got to have that reverence and that respect for the things of God if we're going to see the revival that we used to see. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Prayer time is for everybody. Not just the faithful few. It's for everybody. So winning is for everybody. Come on. Worship is for everybody. Come on. Supporting the work of God. That's for everybody. Not just the rich. It's for everybody. And we need an old-fashioned baptism of fear. Can you teach it? I don't want to learn the hard way. I just want to get a hold of it and hold it dear to me. I've got to have it. 
I've got to have it 24 hours of every day. I'm driving home by myself. I've got to have it then. When nobody else is around to see me, I've got to have it then. Because I am what I am, not when I'm here, but when I'm where nobody else knows me. That's the real me. And the only way I'll have it then is to have the fear of God inside of my heart. Preach the holiness if you want to, but fear's got to be there. Preach righteousness, but that fear's got to be there. Man, I've got to do it. Listen to it. I thought I was closing just a minute. Listen to this. David said, Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want in them that fear him. Think about it. Ecclesiastes 7 and 12, It shall be well with them that do what? Fear God. That's where it begins. Right there. The fear. It's got to come to us. It's got to reach into our hearts. And I feel it moving today in this service that God is wanting to baptize us with that holy fear that we can see this revival in Acts 5. Something is missing. Leo Upton, Verbal Bean, some of those fellows would preach a sermon and you'd go home and dream about it all night long. I'd wake up in the morning after hearing Brother Joe Duke. And I'd go in there to get me a drink. But I was afraid to turn the fountain on, faucet on. I was afraid blood was going to come running out. I had that on my mind. You know what I'm talking about. This is nothing new. You know what I'm talking about. Boy, it was so real, so genuine. First time I went to hear Brother Joe Duke there in Houston, Brother Bean's church. Someone told me, he can see you. He's almost blind, but he can see you. And he'll look right into your heart, and he'll tell you everything that's there. Boy, I prayed all the way over there. And I tried to set between two healthy men. I thought there's no way he'll see around them. Come on. That's the fear. That's the reverence. That's the respect that we had for that man of God, Brother Therese. It was there. I want it because I want revival. I want signs and wonders and miracles. I don't have to follow them. They will follow us when we have the fear of God. It came. It came. I don't believe Peter had them to line up. I just believe they felt like if they did line up out there, it would happen. It will just come to pass because we have that awe about him. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can't explain it, but I know we need it. We just stand right now. Let's reach up to him right now. Ask him to baptize us with that fear. That holy fear, that great fear. 
that will bring that apostolic revival in these last days. It will take care of so many things that we're trying to take care of. It'll handle situations that we're wrestling with if that fear will come. Nobody wanted to be identified with those two, nobody. But oh, they wanted to be identified with those apostles, that church. Come on, reach out to him right now. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Your lovely name.